Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, welcome in. Doug Gottlieb here, and you are listening to All Ball. All basketball, all the time. Um, I want to do one on some of the NCAA tournament stuff, but right now I just, this is, this pod is so good and so timely. I have uh, a couple other ones. John Gallagher is going to join me on a different pod. John, of course, the head coach of Hartford. He's uh, Irish. John is hysterical. He's hysterical, but he's also insightful. So we'll drop that one maybe a little bit tomorrow. This one, I wanted to make sure we got it out to you because I don't know. I think this is a a pretty darn good uh, basketball team and story. And I, I, I thought we could just start here. Paul Mills is the head coach at Oral Roberts. By now, you've come around to liking Oral Roberts, watching Oral Roberts. But uh, he comes from incredibly humble beginnings in Houston, Texas, out of Humboldt, Texas. right? And I, I think you'll enjoy hearing his journey, his energy, his thoughts on what this is all like. And, of course, he'll preview a little bit of their Rematch with Arkansas team that they played led by 12 in the second half earlier this year in Fayetteville and, and ultimately lost to him. So without further ado, he's the head coach of Oral Roberts University, got the job in 2017 and slowly but surely they have started from the bottom. Now they're here. Let's catch up with Paul Mills of Oral Roberts. In living, breathing form, Cinderella himself, Cinderella himself. Paul, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. You just live in life inside the controlled environment. Uh, we were off yesterday. Yesterday was Monday. And so um, so uh, you don't panic because you don't play again until Saturday night. But uh, so far, so good. Um, all right. I, I, wanna, I want you to help me tell your story. Okay. Um, we've known each other for a long time. And it's obviously an incredible weekend for your guys 
Baylor basketball family, right? Uh, and for Oral Roberts and that university. But you personally, um, growing up, what was your first memories of basketball, like your first attachment to the sport? Yeah, um, you know, in America, basketball is kind of the sport of the poor. Uh, in, in European, African countries, it's soccer. But, I, I mean, we couldn't afford a baseball glove or a bat. My father was a preacher, and so we, we didn't have much money. Uh, couldn't afford helmets and cleats and shoulder pads, but you could go down to the end of the street uh, with a ball with 20 other kids and you could play. And, uh, and that was always fun. I mean, five, six, seven. Uh, so this is in Houston or where? This is in Houston. Yeah. And so I can remember six, seven, eight. Uh, my dad put up a basketball goal in the, in the backyard. And so right around the age 10, 11, 12, I mean, um, Houston was like on fire. We had five slamma jamma. Um, so those teams were going to the final four. My birthday is on April the 4th. So my birthday parties were five slamma jamma playing NC state and, uh, Wittenberg. Oh, it's a long way. Oh, we got it at the buzzer. And I can remember going in my backyard and just crying and shooting until one o'clock in the morning because, and then you had the Michael Jordan era, right? And then I had friends who loved magic. I had friends who liked Larry, uh, and but I like Mike. And so it was just an awesome time for me, basketball-wise, where I grew up. You fell in love with the Final Four in college. Uh, and, and, I mean, and Keith Smart making big shots and never nervous Purvis. And, and you just saw this emergence on this national stage and it fit because the environment where we lived, people were obsessed with basketball. On occasion, uh, you'd play football in the streets because um, that only required one ball. Uh, but for the most part, we all played basketball. And then you began to get competitive. Uh, you got you would have all the arguments for why Michael was better than Larry or why Michael was better than Magic. And uh, but you wanted to be, hey, all right, whatever. Let's go out and hoop ourselves. Yeah. You wanted to be good when these people called you out. So it was it was it was a 24 seven experience for me. So so your dad, what was what was the church that he preached at when you were a kid? North Belt Christian. OK, where is where in Houston is that? Houston's uh, a very, very uh, big. Place. Well, all, all Dean area is a little north of Houston. So my dad's church was about five miles north of that in uh, what's referred to as Humble, Texas. Okay, so it's in Humble. So, um, which I can just humble, I can hear a, like I can hear Keith Jackson now saying he's out of Humboldt, Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of Humboldt, Texas. So, um, you mentioned like you you didn't grow up wealthy. I do think that some people think well, Southern Baptist preacher. You know, <laughs> he's living high on the hog. He's he's got a he's got a mega church. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He's got a mega church. That was not how it was for you. I think most pastors probably preach at churches that are under a hundred, um, the, the vast majority, especially in the South, as you know, there's, there's a church, uh, as more churches and there are gas stations. And, uh, I mean, there's one on every corner. And so, 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 I mean, uh, you were mad for me. I mean, I had to be there three times a week, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, God forbid, uh, there was some prayer service or youth service. Uh, then you're there four times, but you're definitely there three. And you're mad because you realize other kids are actually practicing on Wednesday night and you're not. 
you're mad because other kids are watching, they're playing Saturday, Sunday night, and you're not. And so church, I, I love my my parents, obviously, and I'm so grateful for how my, my parents invested in me. But when you're young, you don't really have that sense. All you want to do is play. Right. And so to sit in two-hour church services three different times each was week. He, was, was he good? Um. He had good moments. Uh, you know, when, when you preach as long as you not, they're not all going to be good. It's like, it's got to be like radio shows. So yeah, yeah. Like, like a radio shows, you do 220, 230 a year. Yeah. Like you got to be really, really, you got to be great like 75, 100 times a year. You got to be good about 50 more times. And then you just got to like, hey, Figure out how to fill time because just it's not possible. <laughs> That's so. It's a great so, analogy. Was was he was he okay with feedback? Did he ever go like I was? That no, like, I mean no? It, the the reality is is so you'd sit on the back row with all of your friends, right? Um, and, and so if I if I did something wrong, he would stop during the sermon, say, "Excuse me, uh, Paul, would you come up here to the front row and sit by your mother?" And uh, <laughs> so I would have to get up in the middle of church with your head down like a little puppy dog. And, uh, and he had warned me, Hey son, I'm just telling you, you continue to sit back there. Cause you're, you know, you're, you're I'm throwing that. I had a friend who sat next to me at church. who was the biggest LA Lakers magic Johnson. Who's that? Uh, his name was Jeremy Gill. And, uh, and, and we would sit there and argue like, and we would want to fight by, by the time they said, amen at the end, we would want to fight. Uh, over the fact that you thought the Lakers and, and Magic were better than Michael and, and the Bulls. And so it would, and then you, then we would run, the church had a gym and we would go straight to the gym and you would play until my dad would stay for two or three hours after the service. And so let us sit there and play. You're so, but you did your dad play? No, not at all. So uh, did he, does, did he understand your, your love for the sport? Yes. I mean, uh, when I was a sophomore in high school, um, I was that you may remember this name, Doug. There, there was a guy who led the city of Houston in scoring named LeBradford Smith. LeBradford went to I played with LeBradford. Wow. Did you really play with the so, US? So LeBradford was out of Bay City. You know who had the second most points in the city of Houston? Me. And uh, LeBradford was a Mickey How small dude. school? Wait, how small school is this? So I see. Why does everybody have to ask that? Uh, <laughs> I, small I'm not telling you we played at the same level. Uh, so so I'm just telling buckets, you that you're when the buckets, you're get you're getting buckets and you're playing the issue. Yeah. So when the stats right? get published, it says LeBradford Smith and Paul Mills. I'm not telling you that we're going against the same people. Um, but you know what? I'll tell you this, I shot it every single time I had the ball and uh and I made less than half. So uh the, the what, other what, four what guys was this was at Greenwood Village. Um and, and and so at Greenwood Village, literally there's a hundred kids in the high school. So 50 boys, 50 girls, maybe 12 of them tried to play basketball, and 10 of them couldn't walk and chew gum. So it was literally me and one other person. And and since I was the point guard, I got to decide everything, you know. So, uh, and so, and then, and then what I thought is you're special. And I transferred to a 5A, which is the highest division in uh, Texas, a 5A public school. Um, and, and so, and then 
needless to say, my stats uh, were not the same ever. So what, what high school did you transfer to? MacArthur High School, Aldean MacArthur. So what, when you're, when you tell your dad, like, Hey dad, I want to, I want to go to a bigger high school for basketball. What would he say? Uh, you know why? And so I just pull out the Houston Chronicle and I'm like, look, I mean, you can read, you see there's LeBradford Smith. And then the next year it was Elmer Bennett, uh, who went to Notre Dame, Notre Dame sure. from, from, from Bel Air high school. And it's like, dad, look, I mean, it's clear as day that I belong on a bigger stage. Uh, and, and I, it, I didn't, uh, I loved it. I'm telling you, I would not be, uh, as passionate and love basketball had I not done it because I walked into a situation where I was the only white kid who played there, I believe in a 27 year history. And, and so the entire school, especially on the basketball side is it was, is black. And so for me to walk into that environment, and, and, and that was the neighborhood I grew up in anyway. Sure. And so it wasn't any different, but it was such a, it, I, I can't, I can't imagine not having the experience of, of doing that. I had, I've had um, the, those several of my high school teammates uh, reach out to me and, and I can't ever imagine myself being able to go down the path that I've gone without that experience of, no question of, of socioeconomic different yes. diversity listening to all these stories hanging out at their houses them coming to yours those things just made all the difference in the world and it fueled something in me because it you just realized how good you had to get i i it's interesting so um we, we always had an au team from kids from kind of all over and we had some always had kids from south central and my dad would we'd we'd have practice and get done. He'd drive kids home because their parents work, you know, and then come back and I'd have to ride with them. Like that was most of my childhood outside of playing sports was driving to and from sports with my dad. Right. Yeah. But I remember, so he used to tell me, he grew up in New York. He'd always tell me like, Hey, the, the, my favorite moments in basketball is, you know, you walk into a gym and you're the only white guy and people, if you just, you know, are respectful people and play hard and just come into hoop. Like you'll be amazed at how kind people are to you because there's still this kind of divide. Right. And it's, it's hard. I will say it's a little bit harder in Southern California because things are more uh, homogenous, but um, two, two things jump out of my mind when you tell a story about you in high school. So when I was in eighth grade, I stayed back in eighth grade. I was little, I was a late bloomer. Yeah. And, but my team, all my teammates from AU went on to high school, right? So they're all playing, most of them played varsity, some played JV, whatever. And so I didn't have a team to play with. So there was a guy named Sam Miner who ran, I think it was called Team LA at the time. And there's another guy named Tiny who ran Caney Bulls. And so for that year, I spent most of my afternoons like at Mr. Miner's house or practicing with his teams. Yeah. And it was the exact same thing where, and it was awesome. Because it awesome. just, it's it's like cultural immersion. And then you, you figure out, you know, it's it's actually one of the things because I mean, obviously you see somebody's race being different. But, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but because you don't have a there's no racial bone and anti like racial bone in your body. Yeah, I just I've always had a tough time understanding any of this idea that you don't like somebody because they're black or you're not. I, I just. It's what, really what, my, my I, brain. I'm honestly, I, I honestly, it's I, like a, it's like a, a gap in my brain where I don't understand. Like 100%. I've had, 
because I mean, it's a great word, cultural immersion, right? I've never understood um, the Jewish side. I've never understood anti-Semitism, right? Um, it's like, they look the same as everybody else. We all look alike, you know? And then obviously when you deal with different skin colors and you're dealing with Hispanic and you're dealing with African-American, um, they just want to accept you for who you are and know that you're about the right things. Right. And that was what, and I wanted to so earn their respect. Um, and so you would, I was the guy who was diving all over the floor for loose balls. Uh, I was a guy that was, uh, I'm going to guard that guy. And so you, you just, the, the cultural uh, immersion is such a great, it's such a great word because you wanted to immerse yourself uh, to gain credibility. And uh, that was what you did. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER The, the other part that you pointed out, which is which just is really smart, which is like at the end of the day, people, most people, you're going to judge you as a person and mm-hmm. and they figure out that there's there's good white people. There's bad white people. There's good black people. There's bad black people. Right. There's people who are about the right things and people that are not. Yeah. And and people can spot a phony eventually. 
Especially, um, I've always said, especially you, you, you were recruited, obviously, at a really high level. When you've been around it and you you can spot this stuff, I mean, quick. I, I tell yeah. people all the time, I don't bat a thousand, uh, but I bat nine ninety nine. Um, because you know what? When I was 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, you were around it and you can yeah. tell the people that they they just want to be around us, but they, they're not serious about hooping. Or they just want to be around us because because they want to be in the group, but they're not really sincere people. Uh, I think guys like you even have a even a better antenna because y'all went through the experience of the recruiting, and then you see it for what it is. And oh, so, yeah, you see, and you see it on the other hand. You see, it, I think I think kids can spot a pony in terms of guys that are recruiting them as well. One hundred percent. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So why you why'd you go to A and M? Uh, so I went to a division two school, um, had the opportunity and, and obviously wanted to play um, diving for a loose ball. One day I cracked the bottom vertebrae on my spine. And um, hit, what, what, what program is this? Uh, Southern Nazarene University in, in, um, Oklahoma, in, uh, in, yeah, in, Oklahoma. in Oklahoma City. And yeah. uh, we actually there were in that conference, the Sooner Athletic ORU was in that conference at the time. And um, there, there was actually two NBA picks out of there. Greg Sutton from ORU went to the Spurs and then a transfer from Georgetown named Turner from Phillips University was 17th pick to the Rockets. So you saw good basketball. And what happened was, was I got injured um, one day at practice, cracked the bottom vertebrae in my spine, um, saw, you know, all these specialists do all these things. Long story short, they said, uh, your basketball career is over. And I can remember being in the doctor's office and the tears just flowing. And um, and so now, it, you know, this, Doug. There's nothing worse than being a manager when you've been a player. The whole idea that you're going to rebound and get guys water. And that's what people did for me. I'm not going to do it for them because you thought of your, that where you put people was based on how well they hooped. Well, managers can't hoop. So I was like, I'm just going to travel with the team. I'm going to go around, but I'm not going to be a manager. And, uh, and so I realized, like, listen, um, I, y- y- when you're young, you're arrogant. I said, if I can't play basketball, as these doctors have said, um, I'm going to transfer closer to home. So I went closer to home. Uh, and, and and I would hang out. At, at that time, it was G. Raleigh White Coliseum. Yeah. Uh, and right Tony Baroni was the head coach. Porter Moser was an assistant. And I would kind of walk uh, through the concourse. And you'd breathe it in and you'd watch some practices here and there. It was hard. Uh, but I, I um, uh, Joe Wilbert, do you know that name at all from Texas A&M? But, but Joe was an all-conference, Southwest Conference player, and he's a friend. Uh, but, but you began to get close to, you know, knowledgeable and close to some of the basketball players. But you're just so eat up that you can't participate. Uh, because nobody ever gets in this thing to coach. You get into it to play. Uh, playing is what's fun. Coaching is rewarding. But then it was like, man, you know what? Can I help people? Um, I'm this little bitty white kid, and I wonder if, if I could just help people with the game of basketball. And so that kind of started a path for me because I just wanted to be around the game so much. So, so, so how did you – okay, so how did you, you get in? Right. So did my you, dad did you help at or did you start the high school job first? No, yeah. Uh, so my dad had a church, and so in the summers, um, I would say, hey, who wants to play basketball? So what you get was 30, 40, 50 neighborhood kids show up, and you're playing for three or four hours. Well, then you start to hear their stories, right? 
mean, these are kids. And then you recognize the ones who are good and you want to help those guys. And so you'd schedule individual sessions. Uh, and then the kids who didn't have school clothes or shoes, you know, you had a soft heart for those guys and you were helping them. And I just realized that basketball was a carrot that attracted these young men, even though we're in different demographic socioeconomic situations that would allow me to help you. And I just became enamored with it of trying to help guys. And so um, there at the church, uh, we had some high school kids and, and at, at North Belt Christian, and we would run around and play other high schools, um, play various schools throughout the city of Houston. So after three years of doing that, I said, man, I don't want to do this kind of on a part-time basis. I want to do this all the time, like 100% of the time all year and took another high school job across town at a Fort Bend Baptist. And I taught calculus and pre-calculus and, and got to coach. And, you know, this one was official, right? Uh, Cause this one has a state championship uh, associated with it rather than just running around and playing games more like an AAU event. So did that for three years, loved it. Um, I would tell you that they ran me out of there uh, after a final four experience. Um, they just thought that basketball in my mind was becoming too big. They were starting football and you never overrun football in the state of Texas. And, uh, and so I was like, you know what? I'm four time co district coach of the year, right? Big deal. Huh? And uh, we just went off the final four. I'm like the Phil Jackson of high school coaches and uh, people will hire me. And so here it is. So this, I just resigned. Right? How do you, how do you that time? Man, how old am I? 27. Um, and, and so, uh, resign and, you know, there goes June, July, August, September, and nobody's hired me. Uh, I did have a job offer at Northern Arizona. Mike Adris was great and I didn't want to move. I wanted to stay in Houston. Um, Bob Hoffman at UT Pan Am had brought me in and I thought I was going to go there. Then I thought I was going to go with Ray McCallum to Houston, but long story short, here it is October and I have nothing. And I'm just, I'm just depressed, right? Because you really think that you know something. And what you don't realize is you really don't know much. Um, and Willis Wilson at Rice University heard about it. And he called me. And he said, Paul, I'll give you $2,000 for the year uh, to come over here and help us. And I said, um, let me ask you something. Can I sit on the bench? He said, you'll go with us to all the games and you'll sit on the bench. I said, done deal. Uh, so I remember the first game, like road game being at Stanford. And that's fine. And I thought it was the most incredible thing in the world that all this stuff you ever watched on TV, you were sitting there watching it up close. And uh, what was the what was the big kid's name? He has short arms. He played a little in the NBA for the Rockets. Brock Gillespie. No, Brock. Brock's from Mike Brock's Harris playing. played for Houston. Mike, Mike Harris. Harris. Michael Mike Harris. Harris. Yes, Michael. He was a six-six undersized dunking for play for the Utah Jazz. So you're with Michael every day, right? And you're with we had another player, Jason McCreeth, uh, who who got some NBA looks. Um, so we had several guys. We were good. And you're traveling, and you're in. You're in. But the you West had the gym West. where they played badminton. Yes, the right behind it, one hundred percent. People don't uh, rice before they redid the arena. Okay, they used to have at one end there was a big a curtain. A curtain. We did it. Dave Revson and I did a game there <laughs> once. And he's like, and we're coming back. So we'll see what's behind that curtain, right? Yes. They're playing badminton. They're playing, they're bad playing badminton. While the college basketball game is going 100%. on. 
And and but you know Hawaii is in the conference, so you're traveling to Hawaii. Uh, nice. Boise State was good. Um, uh, Tulsa was really good at that time, and so I just became enamored with it. Um, man, how do we get rice? So better? so Willis Wilson, who um, uh, he was he was like the first guy. He Willis Wilson was the first guy to that uh, we we did a game. And he lost the game, but he came over to shake everybody's hands, but he wasn't feeling that well. He's like, you know, I'm not feeling that well. Let me give you an elbow. This is like 2004, 2005, wow. whatever. And I was just, and, and Revs and I, I remember we, we sat there and we said like, that, that's the classiest thing. Any co- no college basketball coach does that, right? <laughs> Everybody else daps it. Anyway, what, what did you learn from him? What was, what was he like to, to coach, to, to watch coach? What did he do? One, he was phenomenal in his player relationships. And, and, and I think so many coaches will talk to a team, right? Um, they'll get everybody down. They'll talk to the team. But how many coaches actually kind of put their arm around guys and uh, say, I need you to hang out with me 20 minutes after practice? Uh, is life good? Everything all right? I thought he was brilliant. Uh, I, I mean – it, what what I realize is just one how lucky um, you are just to be in this profession, uh, especially when you're like a a little man syndrome guy like me, and, and 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 so you're just so fortunate. And and when you look at at Willis's teams and the years that he's been healthy, um, they win and and we, they do a phenomenal job. But I feel bad that Coach W hasn't had an opportunity to experience an NCAA tournament. And so when you get this opportunity, you want to honor it because of the people that have invested in you. And Willis was as good as it gets in regards to helping guys and their personal relationships. Uh, Phenomenal and just a class act. And and he would want – he is somebody you want your – you to be – invest. you want him investing in you because he's pouring into you the right things. Okay, so you do that for a year. Uh, where were you when the Baylor thing went down? I was, I was in Houston. Thought it was the craziest thing you'd ever heard of. Um, man, one player killing another player. This is nuts. And, um, and so I, when I was a high school coach, I'd brought in uh, – I would hold a clinic every year and um, brought in, you know, Coach Majerus I would hang out with in the summer – uh, I would go to Utah and and learn. Michael White and I uh, from Florida. Uh, my room was here. Michael's was across. Uh, I remember one summer as we spent time because I just thought Coach Majerus was the best teacher in the world. But when I was a high school coach, I'd travel around. I'd go to Duke. I'd go to North Carolina. I'd go to Utah. I'd spend every penny I had trying to get around who I thought were really good coaches. And and those guys are, obviously. And so um, – and so going through it, I thought it was just crazy when the whole Baylor thing went down. And there was news because we had had a good year at Rice that Willis was going to take the uh, take the job at Baylor. And and I remember him talking about, would y'all want to go into an environment like that? And I remember thinking, like, no way. Like, I'm not going to Waco, Texas. Uh, I'm a Houstonian. Uh, I am staying here. I will beg my way on to the next guy who takes over for you, Coach W. But why in the world would you walk yourself into that situation? Okay. So Scott gets the job. <laughs> yeah. Scott gets the job. Uh-huh. 
how'd you, how did you have a relationship with Scott? Like how'd that happen? No. So John Lucas, uh, and John Lucas, the third, obviously his son is a point guard at, um, at, at, at Baylor. And, and so John Lucas worked out at 6 a.m. every morning in the Rice Gym, in our auxiliary gym. He had NBA players in there. I mean, I can remember Josh Howard. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I can remember a Dwight Howard. I can remember multiple high school kids who are elite being in there, Yao Ming. So I was always hanging around John Lucas in the mornings at, at 5.30 and then go do my job at 9. And John was like, would you like to go to Baylor? I was like, no. And he and I'm like, John, your son isn't even going to stay there. And he said, that's right. He's going to go to somewhere else, you know, eventually Oklahoma State. And and so I think people had told him, if you want to be familiar with Texas, you need to talk to this guy, Paul Mills. Well, long story short, Scott calls me and um, end up visiting with him for about an hour. And uh, and I just said, man, this guy is a scatterbrain. He has no chance in the world at Baylor University. Like he is way in over his head. And he said, would you uh, consider uh, coming up here? I remember, here's a question. He said, uh, how much do you make? And I said, uh, uh, around 20000 Uh, You know, my definition is like Bill Clinton's. Depends what your definition of is is. Uh, <laughs> so, so my definition of around is like plus or minus 18 grand. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so I said, around 20. He said, I can pay you a little bit more. And uh, I said, okay. Um, he said, would you consider coming up here? And I said, no, I won't. I uh, said, I've already been promised an assistant spot if anybody leaves here. I'm from Houston. I'm not walking into that situation. He said, well, let me tell you something. I heard faith was important to you. Wouldn't you at least pray about it? And I said, you know what? I'll pray about it, but I'm about 99% certain God will say no too. And uh, so long story short, he and I just continue to talk. And he, can we beat Texas? Can we beat A&M? How do you get recruits in the state of Texas? Who are the people you need to know? Da, da, da. So we do this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for an hour every night. And I said, listen, man, you've been so kind. I said, I'll come see you on Saturday. Uh, he was just come up here and visit and just hang out. Let me get to know you. So I go up there, uh, my wife and I, and uh, Willis tries to talk me out of it. He's like, I don't think that's smart, but you, you do what you want. And they have a guy named CJ Miles on campus. And now he's now he's only had the job for a week. And I'm like, he just he's got CJ Miles. CJ Miles is the best player in the state of Texas. Like, how'd you get CJ Miles on campus? And CJ eventually goes high school, the NBA. And uh, it, it, I don't even know if he's still playing, but I, I, he's been playing for a long time. And uh, and I was like, that's incredible. And then at the same time, you just realize, like, man, this is different level of basketball. This is this is the Big Twelve. And this is a different caliber. And so I just became enamored with that and uh, eventually said, you know what, I'll, uh, I'll come up here and help. So I was in an operations role and, and the people that were there, I mean, we were just, I was in my 20s, Scott was 32 when he took the job. Um, you couldn't tell us anything, right? Like we were winning the conference. And, and I think if, if somebody older had taken that job, 50, 55, 60 who had been around the block, they would have understood how hard that was. We didn't know anything. So we worked till three in the morning and we were all back in there by eight. And it was that way seven days a week for three straight years. And we were burning that candle. And, uh, and, and I remember our second year, we were running around going, we're conference champs. Uh, Oklahoma State had just gone to the final four with uh, John Lucas. And you got to remember Lawrence Roberts, SEC yeah, he was, player he was the, the SEC year. player of the year. Uh, Kenny Taylor went to Texas, started John Lucas, Oklahoma State, Big 12 player of the year. 
And you just was like, man, if you can keep kids in Texas and, and there's really good players here. And, um, and so that year we were running around second year and uh, said, we're going to win conference. We won one game. Uh, we went one and 16 in conference. And, uh, who was and, the one and, and, and then you, that was, who, winning. Was, the one? who, was, uh, the one? who, who I was, three. if huh? you lost to us uh, in our first year, we won four games. You were fired. Uh, all those guys lost their jobs. Um, the year, the second year when we beat uh, Colorado, I think, um, unfortunately, Coach Patton wasn't able to keep his job. So no, we yeah. were like, you don't yeah. lose to Baylor. Like, and, and, and so what you realized after that second year, like reality hit, you're going up against Hall of Famer Eddie Sutton. You're going up against Hall of Famer Bob Knight. You're going up against Hall of Famer Bill Self. In my mind, Hall of Famer Rick Barnes. Uh, you, you had um, NBA coaches at uh, Iowa State. Lon Kruger, let me tell you something, is really, really good. Uh, and, and, and so you realize Bob Huggins was at K-State, and you just like, oh, my goodness. And we realize like, this, one, you better go get players, but, two, we better figure out what the heck we're doing. Uh, so, so, so let's let's start with the getting players. What? How do you get? How do you get guys? I just I, I so the first big class for us you'll remember is is we got them all our first year. Now, um, Curtis Gerald's um, uh-huh. was out of Austin. He committed at the end of our first year. Um, Henry Dugat um, was was from Coach Tang Jerome Tang's city where he grew up. And his in-laws actually lived across the street. So Jerome was never in the office. He was always at his in-laws house uh, uh, waving every time like Henry picked up the mail. Uh, Henry Dugat was really good. Uh, we got a player from Senegal named Mamadou Dien. And then we got a player out of Dallas named uh, uh, Kevin Rogers. And so those four came in for our year three. And we basically – But you also had – what was the little point guard from, uh, from New Orleans? Uh, Tweedy Carter. Yeah, he came in. He came in that next year, and so we added those four. Then we added a guy Tweedy Carter, Josh Lomers, and then we added Lace Darius Dunn. Then we added Quincy AC. So like, so like a Lace Darius Dunn, like he was yeah. really he, he and Tweedy were the two highest biggest name recruits, right? Yeah, yeah. How, what's what's the how do you just give me the give me the Lace Darius Dunn? How that how is that relationship yeah. formed? How'd you go through it? How'd you get it? So, so Lace Darius Dunn is um, from Monroe, Louisiana. Um, if you have ever been to Monroe, Louisiana, uh, where he lived, um, it, it, it was it was as tough a place that I'd ever been to. I mean, the the shoes are over the uh, telephone lines, electricity lines. I mean, it's a scene. So, but so, so you you first saw him? What? You, yeah, who, saw who him. Uh, Mark Morfield. Uh, Mark Morfield saw him. Loved him at an AAU event. Now, he's a very much a homebody. And he played in one more AAU event against the – who's the player for the Houston Rockets who went to Indiana, um, plays for the Rockets right now. Um, the, the shooter. Uh, but oh, Eric Gordon. Eric, Eric Gordon. Gordon. He played against Eric Gordon and killed, all right? And all of a sudden, he's top 20 in the country. Well, you know what he says? I don't want to do any more of these AAU tournaments. I'm sick of them. So his AAU coach is like Eldon Pipes, the phenomenal man, says, well, you need to like visit some places. So he takes him to Ole Miss because that's close to Louisiana, and he doesn't like it because the locker room is dirty. He's like, I can't believe these people 
just leave their clothes out like this. And so he go play only plays in local events, uh, doesn't travel anymore. He just he doesn't like it. And so one day, Coach Pipes is driving him home, and we had been begging for a visit. And um, he says, "Look, Baylor's only four and a half hours away. I'm just he's asleep. I'm just we're just driving to Baylor. No so way. Not honest to goodness. And so so apparently, the when you listen to Lace Darius tell the story, Lace hit me the other day. Uh, he's he's my most He's the most talented kid I ever coached in my life. Um, and, I, and I've been fortunate to coach 13 NBA guys, but that guy was the most talented. He uh, he said, he says, I woke up in Dallas and I was like, what the heck? Like, where are we? I thought I was going home. I didn't realize I fell asleep. So he says, listen, we're just going to go by here at Baylor. He, did, he said he didn't even realize how long he had been asleep. And so he comes in and he sees our locker room and it's clean. And he says, I'm going here. That's how it happened. He committed. <laughs> he was done. He never played in another AAU event. Uh, he was finished. And that is honestly how he committed to Baylor is we had a cleaner locker room than Ole Miss. Well, Ole Miss is all places a dump. But, <laughs> this, but I think this is before you got the basketball facility, though, right? This is before they, they added on with the practice. Yeah, this was, yeah this, was, this was before. The cleaner locker room. See? Cleanliness next to Godliness. Man! And let me tell you something. At Rice, apparently Drew Brees was going to go to Rice before he went to Purdue. And they said they showed up one day and they took him through an entrance that was normally clean and said he walked through there and said he saw something. And it was just like, man, that's not the same presentation that I got originally. So apparently that was why he went from Austin, Texas to Purdue. And I've learned from the lace areas done and the Drew Brees when I hear the Rice football staff tell it, uh, we we clean like crazy before recruits show up. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. So now you got guys going. And if we remember back then, Scott became like a, he was a big zone guy, right? Yeah. It, it was, we, we're the, we're going to be the zone team. Nobody else yeah. plays zone in this league. We're going to be the zone team. Yeah. Whose, whose idea was that? Was that yours? Was that his? No, that um, was it, when he was at Valpo, uh, he was always impressed with Stu Morrill at Utah State. And he loved Stu Morrill and, and what they did defensively. And obviously, Stu Morrill's an offensive genius. Um, but what they did defensively, he said, really gave him problems. So it's, what a, it's, problem, a, it's like a one-three-one on one side. Yeah, it, like it's a, more of a one-one-three. Yes. And and the and, and basically, you're moving up the wings based on are you a shooter or are you not? If you're a shooter, you're higher. If you're not, you're lower. And so, I mean, it it it, it looks like a one-three-one at times, depending upon who you have out on the court. And so what happened with us was we had six foot nine, three men, uh, Anthony Jones, Quincy Miller, um, had these guys and the other teams, three men were six, four, six, five, six, six, and they couldn't keep up. And so we just said, man, let's just utilize our length. And at the end of the day, let's push up and let's push guys to Epe Udo. He can block shots better than him, anybody. Let's push up and invite them to go to Isaiah Austin. Let's push up and make guys go to Corey Jefferson. And so all it was was we had six foot nine, three men who they struggled to stay in front of the ball on smaller guys. So let's utilize something that kind of pushes the three point line and makes them go meet people at the rim where we think we have really good rim protectors. And so that was really the logic behind all of it um what was it like to go from when you first got there and you had to get kids to just come play on campus like as walk-ons yeah to then you're in the elite eight and yeah. you're basically one a charge call well, a charge you know. call from beating duke <laughs> yeah right? i mean like it was a bad call a charge call from beating duke yeah to go to the final four but like it is how is how is scott with perspective with the because I know it still burns in him like in his mind this whole week he's gonna be thinking about the Duke games right yeah the, the, the elite eights because he's that kind of competitor but in your experience with them how is he with the perspective of where they where you guys were to how close you're getting to win the whole thing yeah one I tell you Scott is very impatient and, and what I think maybe would have happened in seven years eight years um, he was just, no is not an answer. I can just tell you that right now. Uh, you better figure it out. Um, if you're gassed to do something, can't, no, it's not you. That's not a, 
don't even go there. I, I, I learned that one quick. But he was he's impatient. And it was a good thing. And everybody's like, oh, Scott Drew is such an optimist. And I'm like, y'all should be behind closed doors. And he never he never once said a bad thing. I've never heard him utter a curse word. Uh, and behind closed doors, he would always be like, guys, we better get better. As coaches, we better get better. And as we better go get better players. And he says, we're not very good. So he would always come in after every loss. And there were a bunch of them uh, those first three years. And he's just constantly challenging you. Like, we're just not very good. And and, and, you, I, and his first response was, I need to do better. And so you're over there like, oh, you okay. You're going to call me out. I can't believe. And then he'd go in front of the media and be like, you know, we're headed in the right direction, guys. And I'm like, you just told us how awful we were as a staff. What, 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 what did he get? You watched him, though. How did he get better? Because he's a better coach. You're a better coach than uh, you are. He he uh, he he became attracted to I, I tell you guys who invested in him. One is dad, obviously. Um, Thad Mata. I mean, I I can't tell you how many times we come in and say, "Well, Thad Mata does this," and uh, I'd be like, "Thad Mata's not in Waco, Texas, coach." Uh, and you know, or my dad suggested this, and then you'd be upset. You're like, "Well, Coach Drew isn't around here every day." And, and and so I think what he did was he became super interested in hey we struggle not taking care of taking care of the ball, who does a great job taking care of the ball and you know Scott he's going to ask nine hundred million questions, and and he's going through all these questions and you know and he's just going to pick your brain pick your brain and he's going to be very deliberate about it and think through it and what you don't realize is that he is over there taking and, and you're giving and, and, and that's, he was such a learner and he realized he, he he's really is really from my experience, an interesting, you know, I mean, he, I don't know if you remember one time he paid me to come down and speak, Yes, but yes. he, but, but it was, more, we played low goals. You were really good on, on dunk ball. So you got you call it low goals? I we just, I just low, call it dunk ball. We called it we called it low goals because we moved the goal to nine feet, right? No, I, I know it was, dunk, it was, it was great. It was it was awesome. You were killing. You were killing. I'm, I'm one of the great dunk. One of the great. <laughs> I'm the greatest Jewish dunk. You are. I'm telling you, time. you're obviously the best nine foot goal hooper we ever had come through. That there. was the problem. That was the problem <laughs> with shooting. Was the height? The hoop was the wrong height. Was everything else? <laughs> but no, he's a fascinating guy because you know he he will he would text me. Doesn't do it as much anymore. But you text me all the time, like, do you watch our game? Yeah. Give give me three things you saw. One. You know, tell me and, how and I can you, tell me how I can be better. I was like, yes. I'm not around your team every day. He's like, yes. I don't care. Tell me, you know, I, I respect you. Tell me what you tell me what you think. And so I'd send him stuff. And sometimes I was like, you know, like, listen, you may not like this. No, 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 give me give me more. I was like, well, I like you didn't run anything at this point in time. You didn't know they were gonna switch yeah. people. Um Okay, so how did the ORU thing happen? Yeah, and so after, you know, 2017 was a good year for us at Baylor. We were number one in the country, um, ended up going to the Sweet 16, lost to a Final Four South Carolina team. And, um, you know, when, when the ORU thing happened, um, it was late. It was like, late, yeah. Two weeks after, I mean, the national championship had been played. And so, I mean – we were, I mean, well down the road. I mean, you know, as an, as an assistant, I mean, there may be some 
opportunities out there, but you kind of know once once a, a week or two after the national championship, that stuff's over. Uh, those dominoes have quit falling. And uh, and so when, when the ORU thing happened, it was a little surprising. And I had a number of people reach out and say, listen, Paul, it's a Christian school in the South. That's what you're currently at. You would do a great job there. And and and, and so um, but, you know, you know what? Uh, also knew Jerome Tang uh, would do a great job there. Uh, that there was another guy who, hey, there's a Christian school in the South. He would do another job. And he had just interviewed, um, I believe, at New Mexico State uh, when, when they had, uh, when that guy, when, when the coach went to UNLV. And right. so. Uh, Marvin Menzies. Yeah. Who's the, who the other guy? Marvin Menzies. Um, no, no. Who is the other guy who interviewed it at ORU that interviewed in Mexico State? Um, I, I honestly forget. Okay. And, and so, and so. We didn't want to like hurt each other. And I said, Jerome, right. I'll pull out if you, this is something. And we called their administration, said, y'all don't need two people who kind of come from the same tree because we're both been there for 14 years. We're both going to recruit Texas. Uh, we're both from Houston. We're very similar. And, uh, but Jerome went in and, and he had a certain dollar number and personnel requirements. Well, I'm way che- I'm a much cheaper date. Uh, he priced and, himself out. <laughs> and so I just, I mean, they, they said, uh, Hey, this is what we pay. And it, it, it's, we were all gonna, gonna take a pay cut, uh, regardless of who took the job. And, uh, I said, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Uh, and, and, and fortunately things went well and, um, you take the job. I think it was May 1st. You're two weeks after the signing period. Um, obviously, and, and I, you, you know, you had to, nobody helped me more on that than Scott Sutton. Um, he was phenomenal. Um, he said, Paul, I've invested so much of my life there. And however I can help you. And, and uh, some people there, we didn't see eye to eye. And because we didn't see eye to eye, it is what it is. This happens in this profession. But I want you to know I'm invested in however I can help. And I can't thank Scott enough uh, for the class. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. For how was- he handled that situation. Yeah. Um, there was no bitterness. And um, and and he he and Sean um, really from the ground up said, listen, here's our take. Um, do what you want. But but let me give you advice as you kind of walk through it. So my first year, I didn't you, you take the job two weeks after the signing period. So I'm not. At the end of year one, no matter how good or bad I am, um, they're not going to fire me. Um, I, 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 they'll give me more than one year, and we weren't very good. But I made a decision that I'm saving nine scholarships. I'm not adding anybody. It's May 1st. It's well past the signing period. And so I just said this first year is a wash uh, and enjoy it. Just what did, learn what how did to you, coach. What, what, did, what did you learn? Like, look, you, you've been a head coach before, but at a high school level. Now you've yeah. been at this much higher level, but – you hadn't moved that eight. That, that's a big 18 inch move, right? Yeah. So you, what did you learn about yourself in terms of how you wanted to play, how you wanted to coach? Because you're different now than the last time you're head coach. Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you this, we were one in seven. And uh, I thought to myself, like, I don't know, like I may have made a bad decision here. Sure. Uh, I mean, I had a ways here situation uh, than, than what I had at Baylor and, and then what you realize is, you know, you get those thoughts like, man, maybe I'm not cut out for this. 
this is way different than what I anticipated. Um, and now at the end, you're used to being the power five playing to these schools. Now you're on the other end. Like we play Oklahoma State and we lose by 42. And Bill Self texts me after the game. And he says, Paul, I only lost by 41 the first time I played him. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, remember, I remember he got the job. He got the job at Kansas. And, and you know, Bill, I mean, he's the best. He goes, uh, he tells the media, he's like, Y'all know I, I lost 21 in a row at Oral Roberts my first year. <laughs> oh, you guys didn't know that what that was in the press release? Yeah, that happened. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so it was little things like that. Cause I remember like 42 well, guys, we just got beat by 40. I may not know, I don't know what I'm doing. And 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 he's texting me only lost by 41. And then we go to Penn State. Um we get drilled by those guys and, and coach chambers, Pat chambers, he could have beat us by a hundred. Uh, he called the dogs off. We go to uh, Arkansas. They beat us. They could have beat us by a hundred. And what I realized was one, as we got into conference, I don't need to prepare a team to beat power fives. I need to prepare a team to win our league. And, and, and what you need is guard play. And yeah. so that next year, we bring in nine new players. Uh, we brought in Kevin O'Banner at semester. Um, he showed up, and I wanted him to kind of go through it uh, to see what it was. And so that was his red shirt year. So that next year, we bring in nine new players. Three of those guys start for uh, for us right now. Um, one of them is our sixth man uh, who did start as a freshman, but he had some injuries. And so four of, four of the top six guys were with us or part of that nine. And uh, uh, so it from that perspective, very similar to the Baylor, right? We bring in Curtis, Henry, Kevin, and Mamadou, and we ride with those. I was riding with these guys. And, and the good and the bad, right? The highs and the lows. So that when they're freshmen, you're not any good, and we yep. weren't any good. We we're actually worse. Um, and then that third year, uh, we play Oklahoma State, I think the second game of the year. Um, we had played a, a non-D1 and then played – no, you, you know what? We played in the first game of the year, and we lose by three. And I was like, oh, man, we may be all right. And uh, go in that next game, play Division One school, Houston Baptist, and, and win by 15, 18-plus. And, uh, and then you're like, okay, uh, we're going to be okay. And then you just – then you just begin this process of – instilling belief into your guys. Okay, so, so, right. so, so hey, so Kevin, we're good. Kevin O'Banner, where'd you first see him? How'd you get him? Uh, I saw him at, a, uh, at, at an AAU event in South Carolina where Zion was at. And um, Zion was over on that on one court. And so everybody was over there. And I went over here to watch Texas Pro. And um, I remember he got a rebound and he went up and dunked it. And I looked around, I'm like, all right, nobody else saw that. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and then I found out, I said, where is he from? He's from Houston. And I said, all right, uh, uh, what, do, what do his parents do? He said, they're preachers. Uh, I was like, his mom and his dad? They're like, both of them. And I was like, so they're like co-pastors of a church. And I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> hey, got, here we I go. Oh, yeah. And I'm telling you, it was laser. I, I wore that poor kid out. Uh, now he was getting attention from Wake Forest and, and really it was us or Nevada at the time, but I wore that poor kid out. And, uh, and, 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 and so how do you, how do you, you go and you sit with parents and, and how do you 
I mean, obviously them being preachers, they understood Oral Roberts, but yeah. when they're sitting there, they're trying to judge, okay, my kid could go to Nevada. Yeah. A program that has put guys in the NBA recently, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and, or I could go to Oral Roberts. Like, how do you convince some, somebody to buy in when there's, there's outside of your association with Baylor, there's no substance. How do you make somebody believe in your vision? Yeah. Uh, well, one, I, I think the, one of the neat things about the 13 NBA guys that, that I've had the privilege of coaching, 10 of them were never ranked, right? They were never ranked top 100 high school players. Um, Quincy A.C. Perry Jones and, and, and Isaiah Austin were. Those other guys, Royce O'Neal, Torian Prince, um, Quincy A.C., uh, Epe Udo, none of those guys were. And so what you were telling the, those guys is, listen, I know everybody has coaches. They have all these plays. I'm not a big believer in that. I don't think in January there are two magic plays. I would rather have two better players. And so here is what we're going to do individual development-wise. And I'm not telling you, we're just showing you a schedule. Here's how committed we're going to be to you. Here's your morning workouts. Here's your afternoon workouts. Here's what we're doing. And, and so it was, listen, for me, development's the name of the game. I've been fortunate to, to be around guys that that's translated. And I'm telling you that I would rather have two better players than two more plays. And I'm you're going to get invested in. And I want you to know that. And you know what? They took they have to take a calculated risk whether or not you know what you're doing. And I said, you're going to be in a great environment where the temptations are not going to be heavy. And so you are going to have an opportunity. The best thing you can do is be in the gym. And I want you to know that I live in there. Uh, and, and so he decides to come. And, uh, and you know what? He's a freshman All-American. Uh, he was a freshman conference player of the year. He was a sixth man of the year. And then all of a sudden, um, hey, you know what? Guess what? What they actually <coughs> told us has come to fruition. So when you tell Max A. Smith this, he's like, well, it's all well, Kevin. I, 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 now I want, I want to eat the Max. Yeah. Okay. Now you have Kevin. Now you have Kevin. Uh, when, when in the timeline did you first see Max? 4.30 afternoon on a Saturday at an AAU event on court number one at Drive Nation. Okay. And what, uh, and, what year? And he runs uh, – I knew he could shoot. So coming in, I was like, all right, he weighs 120 pounds. It's not very big. Um, uh, that's how, okay. How, how, how tall and 120? How tall? Six foot. Now, 120 is exaggerating, but okay. I literally he's 140. Um, okay. He's six foot. 5'11", 140, but he's off the ball, and he can shoot that thing. And it's like, man, this little dude, if he gets his hands on it, like he can make these shots. And then he runs a pick and roll with a player who ended up going to a Big Ten school. Um, I think they were the only two Division One players on that, on, on, on that AAU team. And when I say it was to perfection, I was sitting there like, that is a dime, and that's a heck of a read. And, and the kid just goes up. He's a 6'11 guy, goes up and dunks it. And I just said, holy cow. I said, if this kid can really handle and see like that, um, we just need to put weight on him. Uh, because what I realized over the years is, is we would pass up on kids at Baylor if you were chubby. And, and they would go on and become conference player of the year somewhere else. And, and I said, you know what? People can lose weight. Uh, 
And you know what? People can gain weight. And so you just began to concentrate. You got less concerned with do they have a Big 12 body or do they have a college ready body? It's do they have a college ready skill? I already knew he could shoot. But when I saw that pass, I was it, that was it for me. I was locked. So, in. so was he a was he a junior? Was he going to be? It was a he summer was a junior. Yeah, he was he was he was going into his senior year. Uh, he had offers from all the military academies. He's really smart, um, and uh, and Marist, and so no other Texas schools. But you're no in Texas. Homes. You're in Texas, and you got a guard that can score, and you got, I mean, you got SMU and TCU and. And, yeah, there were coaches. And, and even, even you go down, you got Texas. You'd have to be Texas State for him. No. You'd have to be uh, New UNT. UNT you'd have to be Grant for him. Yeah, and and so I will say this: I thought but your uh, eye is better than Grant's eyes. Is that what you're telling me? That Grant no, 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 no. I'm not really. saying he's from I, Dallas. You they they were chasing Dallas. other people, and so everybody gets to chase other people. But I'll tell you, Coach Springman, um, who was at Texas for 17 years with Coach yes, Barnes, Russ. uh, Russell Sawing. And he's like, you got to get here. I'm just telling you. And I was like, all right. And and literally, we're like the only people there. Um, there's like no – there's Division two schools there. But we're like the only Division one schools there. Everybody else is all at these other bigger events. Um, and I, I think I flew back from South Carolina uh, at that event where I'd seen Kevin. And um, I flew in to watch Max. And, um, and Russell had been there and just like – I'm just – I said – Russell had had, had uh, been at San Diego, and then he was with Oklahoma City Thunder. I said, would you take him at San Diego? He said, 100%. And I said, that's all I need to know. And he was such a wonderful young man. And and so it was, how do we get him? And, um, and again, we were fortunate. Okay, so fast forward that to the conference tournament this year. Because, look, you've had a wild year. Like, I point, yeah. you guys lost to UMKC. But on the other hand – you're they're good, Arkansas. by the way. Huh? <laughs> they're good, by the way. I know they are. But when you tell people, like, they're in the Sweet 16, and the same year they lost the MPC, like, really? Like, we we don't even – no one even knows who finished ahead of you in the Summit League, right? They, they just don't. It's – it's that's it. That's kind of the magic of this thing. How did it all come together in the conference tournament? Yeah, I mean, we could have finished – I mean, we had some COVID cancellations, uh, cancellation, you know, and had we been able to win uh, that game, we would have been a, finished second. And so I, I felt like – and the, the problem is, is the first two seeds get buys. And so we knew going into this that we had to win three games in three days. Well, in our conference, of the 31 conferences that played this year, uh, Ivy League being the only one who didn't, 17 of the 31 played back-to-back games. So we knew – Hey, back to back, we're going to be okay. So the four five matchup, um, we had lost a one point game and then we had won the other one by 17. So we felt good about that. Uh, the number one seed, we had won by 17 and then we lost by 15. And that- we really, uh, the South Dakota State. Yeah. And so, you know, they've had Nate Walters and Mike Dom through the years, really good players. And, and we they had the returning conference player of the year. But I, I, after our first conference game, I remember telling the staff, I said, I'm pretty sure we got the best point guard in the league. And if we have the best point guard in the league, we have the best team in the league. And and I said, this needs to show itself. So we needed to pick up some areas in, in defensive intensity, and we needed to better understand shot selection. 
And if you look down the stretch, I think all of that just begins to come together. You know, it's kind of like, when do your children finally understand? Hey, I've been saying that same message, been telling you that for two years. And they come in and like, dad, did you know? Well, I've been telling you that for two years. And it just sometimes it just clicks, right? Well, it clicked. And, And so we end up winning a buzzer beater against the number one seed and have a great first half of up 45 to 20. Uh, on on North Dakota State, uh, who had won it two years in a wait, row. So wait, so wait, 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 you're, wait, you're, you're, you're buzzer beater. Yeah. Okay. Take me through what, take me through what happened. Uh, right, you down, I, down one, you down two. We're, we're tie game. Um, okay. And so I sold time? for Max. Wait, how, how much time you got? Um, I think we get the ball with 14 seconds. Okay. Now, so got to go you, the length. Are you a timeout guy traditionally? Uh, no, it, only if it's under four. Um, under four, we call timeout. Anything over four, you're going. Okay. Do they have an automatic? You have an automatic, or are you just calling them, calling in front of your bench? Uh, we have an automatic. All right. So, um, we just get the ball to Max and get the hell out yeah, of the way. There you go. There's the automatic. <laughs> uh, and, and so, there's 14 seconds. You're going to the play at eight. Um, and and, and Max drives. Um, starts right, crosses it over, goes back left, and Kevin's on the left block. And sneak cuts underneath the rim, and sure. now he's on the right cut. So Max puts up a shot right around the left hash mark, and it's bouncing around. And I'm like, it may fall, it may not. I'm not sure. You know what it's like when you've seen so many games. Yeah, uh, you know the ones that are going in, and but I wasn't sure. So this one rims out, and Ko had sneak cut under, so he was on the inside of that uh, defender over there, and he reaches his hand up and, and tips it in. And uh, and I was I was ninety nine point nine percent certain. And when the uh, when when the refs go over to the monitor and then they get look over at you and they do this, and it's just it's elation, right? It's like thank goodness because the reality is is you thought that the momentum would carry you through day three. Like I've always game one's the most. But game two is so pivotal. You can't start thinking ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and you start thinking ahead, we're going to be in trouble because you're like, oh, a game away from the NCAA tournament. And and so I thought momentum would carry us game three. We were up 45-20 at the half on North Dakota State, played really well, and then they come back. And uh, we have to end up getting a stop uh, in order to winning it. Um, but the only two teams that have won this league since the the tournament has moved to South Dakota, they have or North Dakota State last State. name. Yep. Yeah, and, and so we understood. I mean, they hear it constantly. Like, do you understand how good you have to be in order to win a conference? There's only two teams that have done it, and they just have a mentality that we don't yet. So I felt when we overcame that, because they had been preached this all year. I mean, you know how to win in March. I mean, we tell them that we talk about that way back in August. And we got a graphic that we show once a week. This is how you win in March. And and, and so for, I thought when we overcame that, because all you – I mean, you're when you're in a one-bid league, it's a conference tournament. And I felt like that was such a weight uh, off of – other players are like, oh, we're sick of hearing you talk about it so much. And, uh, and it's such a joy for those guys to – you know, I was so happy for our players – I mean, our staff has been involved in 81 of these NCAA tournament games, but you're just happy for your players that they get the March Madness experience. All right, so you so you get done. Did you guys go back to Tulsa or did you go immediately from the Dakotas to 
to oh was yeah we, we 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 tried like crazy to get a plane ticket home so we took a 10-hour bus ride back um they couldn't find any flights to get back to tulsa within a reasonable time period take a 10-hour bus ride back and there are a police escort is meeting you four miles from campus uh these guys have never seen a police escort you pull into oru and hundreds of people are there cameras everywhere Guys are walking off the bus and you just realize like, oh, this is a different experience. And you're just so happy for your guys. And then immediately, so that's a Wednesday and they tell us you have to be in the bubble on Saturday. Well, we had already had these plans for the watch show on Sunday, you know, that you're already playing and you're like, man, you have to get here Saturday before the, you don't even get to see the selection show with your own family. Like you got to be that protected. And uh, sure enough, um, that Saturday morning at noon, you're on a plane, and we were checked in hotel rooms, quarantining uh, at three o'clock. So you're getting ready for Ohio State, and uh, I mean they're good, they're an impressive team. I saw them in the Big Ten tournament. I called the thing, you know, where you are the week before. Um, what do you think it would take for you guys to beat them? One. Um, I honestly believe, you know, Max Aismas is the leading scorer in the country. Uh, he and Kevin are the best duo in the country in regards to points production. Um, we're number one in the country at making threes. We make a little bit more than 11 a game. Um, we're top 15 at taking care of the ball. And uh, and we're top 12 at, at shooting it, right? Um, make about 39% of our threes. Um, and so I thought, hey, we need to put Kevin and Max in a whole bunch of middle pick and roll. Uh, I think they're the best tandem in, in the country. Um, and and we've seen everything. If you switch, if you hard hedge, um, if you jam, um, I, we, we, we've seen it all. And so those guys kind of understand uh, and the off-ball movement guys understand what it is we're actually trying to look for. And I just thought, like, if we'll put these two in middle pick and roll and we'll take care of the ball and guys will play with the level of confidence and belief um, – I just, I just said, we'll get it done. So when it went to overtime, I, when I say I, I looked in those guys' eyes, you could tell they were really confident. But, but you know, it's, what's interesting about it, though, is you, you talk about overtime. You had to get one stop to get to overtime, right? Yeah. I mean, all, all these games, like, everybody's killing the Big Ten. Like, look, they had their best perimeter player with the ball, a chance to win the game, and you guys got – you held them to a, a really hard contested – Deep shot. 100%. And so what happened was, was on that shot, you said, man, because uh, you think they're going to drive it, right? You think they're going to go get a paint touch. And uh, you're just really cautioning your guys not to foul. And and you see that shot, and you're just like, oh, that's a tough one. Um, all right. Um, let, let's be serious about – getting the ball where it needs to be and and may, we take advantage of these next five minutes given that we just got the stop that we needed and so it was almost like you were resuscitated a little bit yeah um and it was like all right we we've got to finish this opportunity here and uh, and we were fortunate that we did all right so then you're down 11 with less than 10 to go against yeah. florida yeah. Against Mike White, yeah, we travel around and and go to camps and clinics with and whatever. Yeah, um, 
what you what were the what was the adjustment you made that helped helped you come back and win that thing? Yeah, I mean, down eleven, I'm sitting over there going, "Do I call a timeout? I mean, is this just like it, because the reality is, is if I called a timeout, they're going to switch defenses. I don't have a magic play here. Um, I I I I need our guys to just stay fluid. You know, you're down five at the half, so. So, so now it's, it's turned into 11, uh, a four possession game. And you're just thinking to yourself, like, okay, our guys, uh, they have to understand one, we have to do a better job on Trey man. He, he hit two threes to open up that lead. And so we had to do some different things with our ball screen coverage up top. So what'd you do? Um, uh, put two on him. Um, before we were just going under and he made us pay. And they were deep, too. I mean, they're NBA threes. And if you look at the opening shot that he makes, it's a drag, and we go under. He makes it. Um, and then to start the second half, there's two of them, and they're back-to-back. And we said, we can't do that anymore. Um, okay, so so when you put two on the ball, yeah, on the ball screen, now you got to change rotations behind it a, as well. A, a little. I mean, they, they had a guy um, who couldn't shoot threes. Um or wouldn't shoot threes. And so we just said, you have to stay in the paint and we're going to go put two on the ball and you got to get it out of Trey Mann's hands. Um, and I mean, I don't know that we made it more, com- we didn't make it more complicated than that. And then uh, offensively, did you make any, any adjustments there? Um, o- offensively, they were switching defenses so much. Uh, so they would go back between the man and the one, three, one. The only thing that the DJ Weaver kid who hit the three to, to put us up 80 to 78, we're down one 78, 77 with two minutes to play. Um, we were getting good looks in the left corner and DJ hadn't made a shot. He was over five, but DJ Weaver is a six foot eight, really good shooter. And I just looked at him and I said, DJ, you're about to get a corner three here in the left wing on this one, three, one. I need you to make it. And he said, I got you. So, I mean, if you look at the film, you can see me motioning one kid to get to the other side. I'm telling DJ, we just come from the huddle, DJ. You're supposed to be, and I'm get there. And you're sure enough, Max gets in there, draws two, throws it to DJ. And you know what? He knocked that down. Uh, and, can I tell you a quick story real quick? Yeah. What, what that reminds me of. So I tell this to what I've, I've done, uh, the Oklahoma coach association clinic. Yeah. A bunch of different times. And I, and I've told this story a couple of times. I, I go around the room. I said, what's the, what's the best thing about coaching? Right. And I know if you got to run tell me, uh, we'll just go like five more minutes. So I said, uh, you know, what's, what's the best thing about coaching? And they're all, you know, like, the relationships and watching a kid grow is like, that's all great. I'm not diminishing that. You want to know what the best thing is when you practice something and you show this kid something and you show them where, and then in the game, the exact work, you tell them in the huddle and then you run it. And not only do they, they catch it where you told them to catch it. They're open. Like you told them they're open. They shoot it like you told them. And then it goes in the basket and everybody looks at you like you're the smartest human being. on earth. <laughs> right. That's that to me, honestly, like is the best is the yeah. I helped you and then your skill took over. Right. So that, yeah. that had to be a great rewarding moment. What's it like for you though, when that ball goes to the basket and all of a sudden you go from down 11 to you got a lead under two to go. Yeah. Uh, we better get a stop. Uh, we, <laughs> we, we better not mess up this train man coverage um, at all. And I mean, cause that's what you're worried about. I mean, guards win this time of year. 
and I'm fortunate that that I basically put five of them out there because um, all of them can shoot. And so and so from that perspective, it was don't mess up this Trey Man coverage. Uh, if we're going to get beat, get let's get beat on a two. Don't let yeah. him come off and go under and let him kill us off a three. So like let's be really aggressive on the ball and let's make somebody else make a play. And we ended up getting a turnover. What's that feeling like when you see double zeros and you're going to Sweet 16? Yeah, I mean, uh, one, I'd apologize to Chris Holtman and, and to Michael White, and both of them were were class acts. But you get so caught up in the moment, right? A uh, player comes over and immediately hugs you, and you forget, like, you have some responsibilities, sportsmanship responsibilities to go acknowledge the other coach, and you just – you just lose it, right? I mean, there, there's a – Mike was great. He just come over and grabbed me, and I said, Mike, I'm so sorry. He said, I, I want you to know I'm really happy for you. And uh, I don't know that I could do that uh, in that moment. And, and, and it speaks volumes about Mike. But um, I, th- I think you're just – again, you're happy for your players. Like, I mean, when that – it's almost like you want your guys to experience, just like you want your children to have certain experiences – um, I've had the experience of Sweet 16s. You want your guys to have that experience. And uh, so from that perspective, um, it's great. But I can tell um, you, if you lose, it's awful. It's brutal. Uh, and, and so you're just – you're really just I, – I think for me, I hate losing more than I like winning. I expect true. to win. You're prepared to win. I think we're going to do all the things. The losing, I did not anticipate. I didn't expect it. Um, and, and I go to depths, uh, that people shouldn't go to, uh, nothing. I just, man, I stay up all night. It's brutal. It's agonizing. And the problem with this is you don't like when you do it during the season, it's all right, let's figure this out so we can help our guys. This it's over. And, uh, and and you don't want it to be over with your players. Um, okay. So you got Arkansas. You played Arkansas. You led Arkansas at the half. What oh, do you have this time that you didn't do earlier this season? Yeah, one, they're a different team. Um, I mean, they, they they played certain guys that game that that they don't play at all now. I mean, there were multiple guys who played 30, 30-plus 30 uh, in that game who who get very little time now. So they, they're way different. I tell you that we're way different too. Uh, our third leading score went down um, 10 games ago. And, and so what it's happened is, is Max has to be more assertive. And we were playing Max about 70-30 on ball, off ball at that time. Well, now it's 100% on ball. Uh, and so we're, we're, we're different. Uh, and, and I also think we understand how people approach us, how people attack us. Like, we've seen it. Um, you know, we, we played the third toughest non-conference schedule in the country. All five non-conference opponents went to the NCAA tournament you know, down five, lose by five to Oklahoma State, lose by five to Wichita State, um, had a 12-point lead in the second half against Arkansas, and you lose that game. And so I can tell you that that um, there, there was nobody who was happy about that because we realized these are the areas we needed to tighten up. And it came at a really good time for us because it was right before Christmas. So when our guys got back, um, that was fresh, but they had days off, so they were mentally fresh. And so we knew the areas we needed to clean up in order to win games like that. And, and I, I think those things are what's going to really help us. Um, okay. It, it, there's, there's a, there's a bunch of that's really good. 
uh, on the court at the baby center. I believe it still says expect a miracle, right? It does on the baseline. Yep. Okay. Uh, I don't, it wasn't mirac- those two games that you won. They weren't miraculous, right? Weren't those miraculous. aren't miracles. No, yeah. but, I'd still say to an outsider looking in, considering what you took over, the league you're in, what you're up against in terms of financial resources, you know, in comparison to your competition, it would be fairly miraculous to get Oral Roberts to a Final Four. Have you have you allowed yourself? You said you just told me that, like, hey, the hard part of the three games is the second game, right, where you start thinking, how have you have you allowed yourself at least the possibility that you're two games away from taking Oral Roberts to a Final Four. You know what? Honest to goodness, um, after Ohio State, I had no idea who we were playing. I was like, who's on the other side of the bracket? Like, who is it? And they was like, Virginia Tech, Florida. I was like, well, who won? Uh, I was like, are they any good? It's weird now because you're not in the same spot. Like yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I, 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 didn't, I didn't even know. Um, after the Florida game, I'm like, well, who do we play now? And they were like, well, Texas Tech, Arkansas. Like, honest to goodness, I just realized, because uh, Scott and I were together yesterday, um, I didn't even know they were in the South. I didn't even know we were in the same region. Uh, and, and so I did know, because I was following Grant, I did know that if they won, they played Baylor. But it never clicked that, oh, they're on the same side as us. Uh, <laughs> because, you, I, honest, I, I am, I'm not a multitasker. Yeah. Uh, I'm a focus guy. And I get locked in on something, and I can tell you the whole world could can just disappear. I don't pay attention to much else. And but now I'm aware that it's Baylor Villanova, uh, but it's not as quick a turnaround, right? When you get the seating announcement on Sunday, and you're like, you play Friday night, and you know you got to present a scout to your guys on Tuesday, you go through every single game Ohio state played and you're clipping it and you're staying up. So you're not even aware of anything else. And then you're just, here's the game plan guys. Here's the game plan. So when that one's over, then you're staying up all night, getting ready for Florida and you're just going, 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 going. And so you're not even aware. So now yesterday we were off. Um, and now, so now you've got a little bit of time to kind of have an idea. About so, so how, how do you manage conditioning? Um, well, we played back-to-back games, so our guys are, are great. Um, they just played, obviously, Saturday night. Kevin and Max played 85 minutes, uh, so they never came out. Uh, played 45 minutes to Ohio State, 40 minutes against both of them against Florida. So yesterday we're off. We will do here in about an hour. Uh, we'll do a really light workout. They'll lift. Um, we'll do about 45 minutes. Uh, they'll get up and down a little but like five on O and then you got to guard the scout team in transition. Um, like we'll probably do about 12 minutes of that and then about 35, 40 minutes of shooting. And then, uh, so today won't be much. So in essence, they get two days and then um, to Wednesday and Thursday, uh, those will be hard. Friday will be light. And then you play Saturday night. Pretty, pretty great. Well, listen, um, Pretty humble beginnings, obviously, and you're still a pretty humble guy. Did you get the clothes washed that you needed Man, to get washed? When, when you and I started this, they hadn't been here. And so, ain't that, no socks, no undershirts. Not going to tell you what else I don't have. Um, so, I, this is the same thing I wore yesterday. Good thing that we were off yesterday and I didn't have to leave the hotel room. Uh, that's <laughs> a, That was a plus. 
Uh, that's the difference. Like, you know, and so the so clothes easy. have shown up. So, so I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to putting on fresh clothes. They, they arrived about 30 minutes into this. Well, uh, it's been an amazing story. I can't wait to see what you got in store for us for Saturday. And I, I it's you, you've dedicated a lot of your time to joining me and I really appreciate it. Doug, you're the best man. Best. Honest to goodness. If there was a low goal hall of fame, you'd be in it. I'm in. <laughs> We're ending on that. Thanks. Paul. Uh, I thought you'd I thought you'd appreciate that one. Enjoy that one. It was a long one. It was a good one. And I, I love that recruiting pitch. I'd rather have two more guys and two more plays. It's pretty good. Solid. I'd rather have both. Right. I'd rather have both. I'd rather have a couple of go to's automatics gadgets. I'd rather have both. But it's pretty interesting what's happened with Scott Drew now producing Grant McCaslin. They won a game and Paul Mills has won two games and uh, they're starting to that that little crew, which is very tight. And but very enjoyable to be around is doing an incredible job in Texas, in Oklahoma. And I'll be interested to see if, if Jerome Tang ends up taking a job. You know, Paul just said he priced himself out of Oral Roberts. That's fine. Paul got himself a job. It's pretty cool stuff. M- meanwhile, you can listen to the Doug Gottlieb show daily, three to six Eastern, 12, three Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app. You can also download it as a podcast. Listen to it wherever you want. If you like this podcast, well, make sure you subscribe, you download, you rate, write a review. Write a review. Come on, you can do how long does it take? And tweet it out, send it to a friend. Say, hey, man, you might want to listen to this. this is some really, really good stuff. Thanks for so much for the positive feedback. Love it. Thank my thanks to Paul Mills. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and this is All Ball. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.